0: welcome to fruiting body podcast with your host brendan and we have an absolute legend on the show today today is tristan callahan he is the owner of float indigo located in chalong i got there. indigo float or float indigo float indigo Float indigo. i almost reversed it float indigo located in chalong um I, I did it once about two or three years ago. We're going to talk about that. He recently purchased it in 2018. Uh, this episode is, again, for anyone that is on the island of Phuket or just in general looking to make uh, that life change. I don't know. I'm not looking for that motivational bullshit, but um, <laughs> he's going to be telling his story of how he came to Phuket, what he was doing before, what he's doing here, and what are the next steps for him. Again, we're a medicinal mushroom company, product pending one year. I think we'll come out by the end of the year, uh, but the podcast has kind of taken a life of its own. Don't forget, subscribe, hit the bell, smash it, like it, do all that stuff, leave some comments. And without further ado, let's get this started. Okay. Uh, Tristan, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, as we do on the Fruiting Body podcast, we're just going to start at the beginning and understand who is Tristan Callahan, where are you from, where'd you grow up?
1: Well, first, thanks for having me, man. It's cool to be up here. Any excuse to kind of get out of that Chilong bubble is always nice. And, um, yeah, it's uh, been about four years, I think, since I've been, been here. And um, came from the U.S., originally born in Michigan, lived there for about 10 years, moved to Wisconsin, lived there maybe 10 years, um, graduated uh, uni and moved out to Colorado, and uh, spent maybe most of my 20s there.
0: Okay, so you're not, I was born in, well, raised in Toronto. Were oh, you a, yeah. are you a hockey player or no? Yeah. Okay.
1: My family, I think, came, like, my family's Irish. Okay. And uh, I think they came into, the, like, the North America, into, like, Toronto and kind of maybe Hamilton. I don't remember. It was, like, 1800s, you know. But Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up in Ann Arbor, or was born in Ann Arbor. Grew up playing hockey in Southern Michigan and then into Wisconsin. Did and you
0: bring your gear out here? your hockey no, gear
1: I, I already made that mistake once i moved to australia once and brought my gear and never touched it and it was a pain in the you'd ass you'd be surprised
0: the, uh well the, you know they have the rink on the other side of the island right
1: yeah you know yeah. i've been it's crossed my mind knowing about the rink i just don't know if there's much of a
0: if it's just like uh, i, I have my gear, gear here yeah I, i've had it i've lived in asia 12 years so um i i i used to play quite often uh, mm-hmm. in china but um here on the other side of the rink, it's like a three on three. Um, uh, it, the level's a bit low, so that's kind of why I stopped going because I'm too competitive. Like, I mean, if you, there's a certain level that you've played at, and when you're playing with them, I mean, you have to let the guys go by you. Otherwise, no one's going to have a good time. So it's like, eh, I don't know. But they have an amazing tournament in Bangkok. Really? Yeah. I highly recommend you just bring your gear down for that um i'll be i'm planning to go back and forth between bangkok and they're starting the league up in september and they just redid the rink i think it's rama nine and it is an olympic size rink but this hockey rink uh the tournament it's every october it's called the land of smiles tournament it's the one of the biggest international tournaments i think in the whole world and they'll be five on five it's five on five full on like I used to play in the top division like six years ago, but you're it's like ex pros, ex really? NHLers. During the there was a lockout in the NHL. Uh, I was playing in a game against like Johnny Oduya, if you remember him. The name um, rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. but because they had that lockout. They came over, but yeah, I I highly recommend bring your gear, um, just for that tournament. And even if you ever make trips up to Bangkok, you can jump on the ice with those guys. It's that that level is it's pretty competitive. It's definitely
1: yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an appealing option, you know, like I've been here for a while. I've kind of determined what, you know, what's going on and what's around it. Now it's kind of like, okay, what, what am I missing? What could I add? You know, maybe invest a little bit into like some toys and stuff like yeah. that here. I thought about hockey gear and, motocross gear and my wakeboard and just kind of like well, they got there's all so much shit here. to do here man like it's just uh, yeah the
0: uh, i was doing the wakeboarding a bit have you been to the parks around here
1: i haven't used it but i've been to the one in katu yeah and i think there's another one up north somewhere
0: yeah like i went there. to the one by the airport but fuck man those like uh some of those corners like yeah. the next day my shoulders <laughs> well, just feel yeah. like dislocated <laughs> And like, I have bailed a few, like it, it whips you on the corners and I've eaten, I've like one day I just absolutely face planted. I was fucked up for like, <laughs> I felt like I had a concussion, but, um,
1: uh, dude, that's funny. I was on the way over here for whatever reason. I was thinking about that where I'm like, I feel like I've gotten more head injuries from wakeboard than I have from like playing hockey or dirt bikes or whatever, yeah, you know, I'm like just hitting that water and you feel like it's safe and it's not. No,
0: especially some of those corners, they just whip you and like. I don't know. I, I kind of figured them down, but there's a couple spots where, like, it's whipping you, and if you go too wide um, and you don't cut back in, you'll literally go into a cement pole. Jesus. So.
1: It's probably pretty shallow, too, if you're whipping out wide. Yeah.
0: You know? you, so you got to have, you know, be a little bit comfortable. Thailand, you
1: got to have that no. awareness, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But the, um, I have some buddies. I don't do motorbiking just because it's it's too intense. But um, I have some buddies that do it here. Apparently, it's, like, top and... All of Asia. Yeah? Yeah, they can... Uh, they they jump on around this Surin by the dam up... Sorry, by the monument, that dam area. And you can follow the mountain all the way to Chalong, And they said nice. it's crazy up there. He says there are people, okay. like, cooking meth, and, like, people are <laughs> shooting at you, and, like, like it's all these, like, it's Myanmar... It's jungle quick. It's jungle <laughs> quick. He's like, you'll go up there, and you'll take, like, the wrong term, and, like, he's been shot at by, like, people cooking meth up there. Anyways, but... Uh, and it's, uh, it's our, it's,
1: dirt bikes are already risky. Yeah. You know? like I don't need to add in like some meth dealers, and <laughs> exactly. shit, but who knows? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, enough about meth dealers and, uh, uh, dirt biking. So you grew up in Ann Arbor. What, and what kind of led you to, to come to Buket or what were you doing after your university? Were you working a little bit before making the decision to come here?
1: Yeah. So, um, I went right out to Colorado and, uh, actually joined a fire academy and pursued becoming a firefighter out there. And um, I did that for, I don't know, three, four years, something like that. And I was riding my dirt bike a lot and um, ended up blowing out my knee as I was trying to get on a fire department down in Denver area, just something busier, a little more, um, better training, more, more action, more reps basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working in a ski town ba- in uh, Beaver Creek. And uh, so I moved down the hill and was trying to get on down there and hurt my knee and it's like, all right, like, kinda probably won't be able to pass a physical test for like a year to get hired and it's like kind of try to find something new. And I was searching a little bit of what I wanted to do. Um, that's always been a bit of a, kind of an unknown struggle. And, uh, yeah, I, I always had an interest in real estate and I had one rental property at the time. And so I got my real estate license while I'm sitting there, like in bed with the machine, moving my knee around. You Wait, know? Were
0: you a fighter, a firefighter at this point or you're leading um, up to it?
1: I previously was and then I'd left that, that job and I actually worked at the dirt bike track for a while. It was a like a pro national level track and so it was pretty fun and just get to ride a lot and while I was trying to pursue a job down in Denver area, um I just I was volunteering in this small town and uh right when I hurt my knee was like the weekend after I'd like kind of gotten like officially put on to like, you know, you could start taking shifts and stuff like that, They had a little training or something. And so that went out the window and it was just a, I gave myself two years. I'm like, you know, I can either be a full-time firefighter with a real estate side gig, or I can be a full-time real estate agent and part-time or volunteer firefighter. I don't really know what I want. So I gave myself like two years basically to f- do full-time real estate. And, um, I was struggling at time. At the time, too, I went through a pretty tough breakup, and so it was a couple of years of just, you know, just trying to trying to just make something happen for myself, and, um, you know, it started out really well, and I enjoyed some parts of it, but like each kind of career path or different job I've had, I've learned what I like, what I don't, you know, and kind of once I figure stuff out pretty quick, I get bored, and it's like moving on, you know, and um, the one thing with real estate, I just uh, I felt like a used car salesman at times and I didn't enjoy that. I liked the nuts and bolts of it, the like contracts and showing homes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the, the like getting clients part, I guess. Um, and so, um, basically I'd started traveling a little bit then, and, um, I came to Thailand, what would this be? Like 2016, maybe like a two week trip with my buddy. Um, went up to Chiang Mai, came down to like Krabi and PP and, um, and then I remember sitting, we did a trip the following year in Europe, and I remember sitting there, like, kind of thinking, I'd, I was looking to get out of Denver at this point, um, just needed a change, and uh, just kind of everything fell through, and uh, it was one of those things where I'm looking around, and like, this is like Colorado with a lake, you know, we we're in nor- northern Italy, and I tend to look at real estate prices, like, just walking down a main street, you see a sign or something, you know, and uh, I'm like, dude, I could live here, like, why am I limiting myself to like looking around in the U S and a big part of that for me was the weather. Like Colorado's got amazing weather and I couldn't find anything that it was like, it was a nine out of a 10, you know, as far yep. as like, it was just, it wasn't quite what I needed at the time. And so my mind opened up to living outside the U S and, um, that same trip, same dude, um, same guy that I went to Thailand with before. He's kind of a mentor of mine. And, uh, he, he had mentioned his brother had gone to Tiger and train he's like wouldn't it be kind of cool to just go spend like three or four months and just get like get in shape and you know learn how to fight and shit like that and um it's like yeah it would be <laughs> and so um got back from europe maybe a couple months later i was like gave my dogs to my parents and we're like yo peace out I'm going to asia
0: so this decision was quite quick when you got back <laughs> like did you have to kind of tie loose ends up or was it quite was it the transition like we're talking a month two months
1: it was it was probably like two months three months um if I remember right that would have been end of 2017 and uh my dog she actually she died right as a, right after I got back from Europe and so um I'd already had a, two other dogs at the time but she was like the, the old one I had since I was like 15. I bought her for 10 bucks at a parade. <laughs>
0: she, what kind of dog?
1: <laughs> She's a black lab. Okay. Yeah her name was Puck. Okay. Yeah. So Um,
0: matches with hockey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great. Great dog. But um, so there was just a lot of like, like I just needed something different. You know, I needed to get out of Denver, and uh, it was my chance to maybe go, like, kind of just focus on me and figure some stuff out. Part of me wanted to, kind of feel out Thailand and see is this something I want to live long term? You know, I was there for two weeks. What's a few months? Um, Just maybe look for an opportunity. See, see what's going on.
0: And did, um, did you come with your friend to do the training, or did you just end I, up coming by yourself?
1: I, that trip, I came by myself. Um, I did, I think, two months. And then I was planning to go to Bali for, like, two months and just learn to surf, basically. And I, when I got here, I within, like, a week or two, I think I saw the float center. And that was something I was looking to try. And so I tried it once or twice and bought a membership basically for the two months I was there because I you know, just felt like it was a good add-on to what I was doing. It was, I was interested in a lot of the benefits. And at the time I was exploring kind of just getting into like mushrooms and consciousness and kind of just listening to some Alan Watts and shit like that, you know, and just kind of dipping my toe in. And part of that was the float tank. Um, Joe and Steve, who owned it before me, think they opened in 2016 um I remember sitting in there like I think they pointed me towards Joe rog- <coughs> Joe Rogan with Graham Hancock in the ayahuasca yeah. like episode and that was kind of the one of the first things I remember coming across and when I was here training and went home after floating and watched that and you know just talked to those guys more obviously learned a lot from people around here and spent some time here and floated for two months and I think think like if I remember right they they had mentioned they were selling the shop I think I th- I think I thought that they had already had somebody that was buying it and um, all I knew at that point was that I wanted to have access to a tank consistently and it's pretty expensive in the West you know it's probably like 70 80 bucks an hour I'm like how am I gonna do I gotta buy my own tank or something what do I do you know and um, I got out of float and there's a sign on the window being like for sale <laughs> yeah and I was like it's like that dumb and dumber like we landed on the moon moment I was kind of walking out and I was like what like no way
0: <laughs> and did you h- how quickly did you transition into that like you get in contact with the guys the the business side of it was it a qu- a fairly like quick process
1: yeah so uh I think I just went home and in my head did run- crunch some numbers a little bit and uh seemed to make sense just you know in a very broad quick kind of Um, look at it but uh just started talking to him more and being in real estate I didn't know anything about how to put a deal together really like as far as buying a business so I just treated like buying a house and um I just made up some sort of purchase agreement and like put down I think half the deposit or something like that and I had to go home and sell my house and get my dogs and kind of like come back and make the move full full on so um the deal came together I don't know, within a couple of weeks, I think, as far as getting something on paper. And um, we actually put the the deposit into a, we, we put it in Litecoin. Okay. And then we had a hard paper wallet, or not a hard wallet, but like a paper wallet. And we just cut it in half and each took half. And then I went back to the US. So it was like... We, you guys can't touch this. I can't touch this whatever. for like
0: the actual, like uh, the 12 word or 24 word password or whatever. It was the
1: actual like paper wallet with a QR code. Like we cut oh, it okay. right in half. Oh, gotcha. And, uh, and so it was like, once we were back, we could scan it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, those guys were into like crypto a little bit at the time. I was at the time and, um, it made sense as far as moving money, you yeah. know, a, a pretty significant amount of money across the border or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just treated it like it was in you know, escrow, essentially. Went home, took care of what I needed to take care of, and got the dogs on a flight. So you got the here. dogs, you,
0: you picked up and you moved everything mm-hmm. over here. And, and was this still around, what, 2018?
1: This would have been, like, summer 2018. I okay. was I came in, like, January to train, and, and then went back in maybe March.
0: With that in mind, if you don't mind me asking, now, are you continuing to train at Tiger? Does float become a full-time job? Or were you kind of treating float as like uh, like part-time while having the ability to kind of enjoy your your day- to day stuff as well
1: um, I would say it's I'm not currently training anywhere really just more of doing some yoga and running and stuff like that but I started to look around and add stuff to to the program but uh, yeah for me I think it was it was more an opportunity to come to Thailand and live and kind of more explore what I needed to to seek out, and a lot of that was, like, just, you know, from a mental health standpoint, like, I was in a pretty low place, and the answers that I was finding, you know, the soy seemed to provide them the float tank, and different things, just, I kept learning, and learning about different tools, and ideas, and, um, you know, having customers come in, and, you know, you just pick up stuff all the time, and so,
0: Uh, When when you, when you found the float tank for the first time, again, you kind of stumbled across it just being on the soy initially and, and from, or was it primarily from that Rogan podcast with uh, Graham Hancock?
1: So I'd heard about it in the various points, I'm sure from a few of his episodes or whatever, but the, the Hancock episode was actually just when I was at the float center. It was like maybe the first time I went in there, it was, uh, my buddy Semper, uh, he was in there with them and, uh. I remember they were talking about it or something, and so somehow that, that turned me on to it. But I had been aware of floating. I would looked into it right before I came. I was down to my parents in Florida for the holidays, and, like, I was trying to float there, and I think the timing didn't work out with my flights to Thailand. Mm-hmm. So when I got here, it was like there was the one in Niharn, and I remember seeing that. And so I think I stopped in there, checked it out, checked out their w- website when I got back home, and happened to look up, like, maybe float float center, see if there was something else and there was one on the soy. I didn't know about it. So I checked that out. It was way cheaper, way cooler, mm-hmm. closer. So um that's how that started. And for for as far as like buying the business and coming over here, obviously it was an opportunity for me to just go pursue something on my own. And I've been interested in being an entrepreneur and kind of building my own one thing I really noticed early on and that was part of the draw to being a firefighter was I enjoy the schedule. I enjoyed having the freedom to kind of have some days off, and um, I needed at the time to go race dirt bikes on the weekend or travel to, you know, driving around and stuff. So um, it was something I really valued. So this was an opportunity, especially in a – it was a situation that it seemed like less risk. Like, you can kind of come here and fuck up, and it doesn't cost you as much as, like, if yeah, I yeah, bought you a know. float center in the U.S. and fucked it up. It'd probably be the end of any, like – any yeah. future for me, you know, like just the debt and whatever. So, um, it's a chance to kind of learn cheaply. <laughs> why, a little lower
0: w- When you're initially getting in, in, into floating, um, typically why do people, uh, pursue floating? Is it more for the meditative state? Are they trying to, uh, I don't know. I want to say fight demons in that sense. Um, is it for the relaxation? So kind of a two part question, typically, why are people doing that? And why did you, why, why do you continue to float or what was your main reason for that?
1: So there's a, there's many benefits up from it. Um, it's kind of like a Jack of all trades type of tool where you get a lot of physical recovery, just tension, release, pain, and aches and pains kind of go away. Um, the magnesium and the salt helps you sleep better, which I think I'm a big proponent of good sleep. And, uh, that helps with recovery as well. That's when a lot of it gets done. So, um, there's that side of it. I kind of look at it like the floating aspect. And then you have the sensory deprivation aspect, which is more of like a meditative experience or maybe a, um, just a chance to... It's it's really like a, a chance to have some self-knowledge because that's the only thing you experience in there is yourself. You Where tension is in your body. Where does your mind go when you're in a box? You know, like what, what does it do when you're alone for an hour? And so many people have these hesitations and... Um, I always say it's kind of the, one of the benefits is putting yourself in a situation that maybe you might feel a little uncomfortable and then you're five or 10 minutes in and it's like you're just chilling and it's great. And yeah, well I was the first in it time. So it, the first time I did it
0: was 2000, I, I guess 2017 ish. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly all the years blend together here in Phuket, but, um, I, I did it again cause I heard from Joe Rogan, which I think probably most people at this point that got involved in floating, that's where they heard it initially.
1: He's my best marketer. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, that's how they would, hey, I want to, I heard this there. I want to go try that out. What is this? Um, I found when I was doing it the first, yeah, it took about 10 minutes where like you get a bit claustrophobic um, and it, cause it's quite hot in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing that I I would recommend I found for for anyone else was like, don't touch your eyes and like kind of just cause it gets a bit sweaty here. So you naturally want to do that. Holy shit, does that salt burn? I got like a little bit in in the first 10 minutes and I must have been like wincing for another 10. Um, Is is that normal? Are all float tanks the same? Or what do you, how do you walk your clients through when they step through the door and they want to take on that process?
1: So that's one thing I have learned and it's taken a little time. um, Kind of goes back to when I first got here that the first year or two was me figuring out myself and figuring out the business, figuring out what what am I trying to do with it and COVID hit. So it bought me a lot of time to kind of understand a lot of things and uh um one thing I really understood is the the onboarding process is important like the there's there's take the time it's like a warm up and a workout or something like that take the time slow down like some coaching involved we do have a water bottle in the tank with a towel so if you do touch your eyes yeah. like you don't have to deal with it but again I even say that's that's if that happens it's you just got to recognize the burn and it goes away after like it's Epsom salt, so it's not yep. super gnarly. But, um, yeah, like, some people have done it, and they're like, I just powered through. Some people, you know, it ruins their float. So try to mitigate that with just some coaching and some, hey, these are the things. Uh, like, all I really know is my own experiences. Like, it's it's a different environment. Every float's different. Every person's different. So it's just from my own experience and hearing feedback from other people, that I've kind of learned, you know, what works, what helps people get through some of the, maybe the, hesitations it's pretty normal you know your mind is going into a new environment it's just like alarm bells right yeah. it's how we've survived for so long like
0: yeah, you need to adapt quickly as well but i, I found it uh it, it was quite relaxing um it was hard to say what i got from it i found it was more like i felt like i i i, I passed out but i didn't mm-hmm. i don't know that's the time best get a little weird <laughs> time got like it. Honestly, it was one hour, but it felt like after I got through that initial 10, 15 minutes, it must have been another 45, but it felt like five minutes. Like they just knocked, the next thing I know, they knocked on the door and like, yeah. I felt like I fell asleep, but I, I didn't. I don't know. I, I, do other people share these similar experiences as well?
1: Yeah, it's, uh. there's different, there's a few different experiences that can be had in there. And I, I believe it gives you what you need in a way. Um, sometimes you're more alert and it's like, Physical tension in your body. You're just kind of like finding what aches, and you try to like tell those muscles to relax. And um, and then other times you feel like you fell asleep. You know, and you're yep. not quite sure. And so and there's a lot in between. And uh, part of that is the the tank itself being in a no light, no sound environment, no temp or no feeling really, because the tank is or the water is the same temp as your skin. There's no real input to process for your mind. It's like a computer just chilling with no, no programs running basically which is doesn't ever happen like right now we, it feels the air conditioner and you know like it just keeps you standing upright and um your mind's always processing information and in here it, it gets a chance to just slow down and turn off and that's that five or ten minutes especially the first float you know it takes a little bit to like get the mind of quiet down uh, a lot of what am i doing where am i you know feel like you're doing something wrong, probably. But there's a bit of a practice. You just get used to it as you do more. And, um, yeah, really, like, after that first five or ten minutes, I like to do more of a body scan and just find tension and just let it go. That's the big benefit for me physically is just, like, I'm just a like, old beat-up man, you know? So yeah. it's, it's nice to just kind of feel relaxed and get that tension out. And then um, and then after that, I just go to maybe, like, some sort of meditation, breath count, breath work, Um Countdown from 100. So there's there's a little bit different techniques and stuff involved. But overall, um, you just kind of find something to focus on. Just tuning into your breath or, or whatever. And, you, you know, you can visualize something. A lot of people, a lot of the guys that come in for fights before their fight, they like to visualize. And uh, so it's just a tool with a lot of different applications. But overall, uh, many people do kind of have that experience where they sort of shut off or switch yeah. off or... It's a little bit like lucid dreaming, um, but
0: it's and also with the Epsom salt uh, for any of the the uh, not just fighters but anyone training on on the soy, um, it is repairing your muscles as well because mm. of the magnesium. Um, you, you're talking a little bit about mushrooms. I'm, I'm assuming now we're referring more to psychedelics. Uh, yeah, I've, uh,
1: I've grew, I never really. It's probably one of the top three things I didn't like growing up was mushrooms. Okay. I like them yeah
0: no we (laughs) uh we're we're big advocates of that side we actually uh well we'll tell that off camera but (laughs) we um we uh we find them around the island let's say there's a couple spots but um me and Hans were discussing about that before the podcast Uh, are you familiar with like Terrence McKenna yeah. yeah, we got him. Yeah, I've, He's I've up kinda here. I saw that. I, I oh, okay. So, awesome. yeah, we yeah. got Terrence McKenna here. Who else we got? Uh, I th- this is Albert Hoffman. He okay. Uh, he, he created his s- a right? synthetic LSD. Well, I I and also like synthetic uh psilocybin. Okay. Um and the other ones, Aldous Huxley, and then downstairs we got like the. That's Aldous Huxley. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would have never guessed. Yeah, yeah, and, and then d- I thought he's like an old fat man. No, you know? no, no.
0: <laughs> I think that's him uh, from when he's quite young, from maybe the Doors of Perception. And then downstairs we have like the Rat Pack, where it's a, uh, I think it's a. Uh, well, Mar- Mar- Maria Sabina is like the originator from that uh, uh, area in Mexico. Kind of that's where everyone went to go find the medicinal mm-hmm. mushrooms. And then obviously Timothy O'Leary and um, I forget the other two guys' names. Um, but going back on that with like um, we, were, we were chatting about what if you were to do a Terrence McKenna hero dose in a float tank? I mean, I've personally have done. Have you ever done a hero a dose d- of what? Medicinal mushrooms like so uh, psilocybin.
1: I've I play test dummy a lot for myself, yeah. you know, um, and I've tried a pretty mild dose. I was a little bit. Gun shy of a hero dose going in the tank, like but one,
0: one gram, two gram. Uh, there's not
1: a lot of measuring going on around okay. here, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was just like a shake from a reggae bar. Okay, and like, oh, like so a 500 y- bot one.
0: Yeah, so prob- that's and, getting uh, two two
1: plus. Yeah, that's probably where I would have put it. And yeah, I I think what I landed on with outside of a hero dose, maybe maybe it'd be different, but I feel like it's you don't have that external stimulation. Okay, so I almost felt like there was. Like a loss there in a way, or maybe like LSD or something might be better, better um, thing to try. But uh, in my opinion, edibles like we, like weed brownies yeah. and shit like that, like that's kind of the best like combo there. Um, yeah, that's that's a part of my program pretty frequently, but. <laughs> Uh, I got many people that come in asking about that, you know, or you know, smoking a joint or something. Well, not now
0: that weed is, I guess it's legalized here to a certain. It's basically. It's very uh, legal. Yeah.
1: Where I'm at. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean don't you know if see, you've been down there, but yeah, you see,
0: it, I mean they're selling it all over the place, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah even like in the right,
1: literally right behind my shop, there's a cafe. But it
0: just. Yeah, and I I think there's some uh, stipulation where they say it's like point. Three THC level in terms of milligram, but I mean, how do you measure that? I mean, there's literally a, a a marijuana dispensary as you leave the airport now. I think it's called like it just says like Martin's Weed or something. Like literally, <laughs> it's like the first shop when you come we into the airport. Martin on here. Something <laughs> like that. I should stop in there. Yeah,
1: um, it's interesting, man. Like I I was in Colorado when recreational weed got legalized and watched a lot of things go down there and had friends involved and. Being in real estate, like that, was pretty impacted. Everyone just started moving there, you know. And I could see, like, I'm I'm very high and long on Thailand right now, and this, like Phuket and the soy, And um, there's a lot of good things happening around here. And it's like if we can just get out of our own way at times,
0: you know. Yeah, I think there, there. I think uh, I could see psilocybin becoming legalized here. I know kratom is now, so it's just uh, one I think, step.
1: I think if it's if it's natural, I think you'll see a lot of support behind it, especially yeah. when. I mean, let's be real, like, Colorado made a fuck ton of money when when they yeah. started selling weed. So um, knowing Thailand, they they like that. So, so l- see,
0: I'm, like, an advocate of the psilocybin side, but, again, like, that's not something, like, um, like, you can't really play around with it. Like, you can't just have some 20-year-old or 18-year-old walk into the shop and just grab, like, 8 grams, eat this, and hop on a motorbike. It's a little bit different of an experience than maybe an edible because um, it can be quite, quite potent in that That is sense. part of the challenge of yeah.
1: legalizing it. And same with the weed is like, yeah. you know, if you're driving, like how do you test it yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that, you know, there, there's, there's those things. But at some point, like I'm, I'm a fan of like trusting people and believing we're all adults and can handle it. And like with good education and coaching and not acting like you know the parents in the room, Yeah, like, you know, just take away the desire to, you know, like had, treat. I've had. I was having a conversation, you know, with the gun stuff going down in the U.S. And uh, I was having a conversation the other day where it was basically along the lines of like, you not expose kids or anything to like guns, or do you treat them how to handle them and respect them properly? And I tend to side on the on the um, in general, just like if you can teach people to respect certain things and have certain values and mm. show, it's really showing them. You know, if you're showing that behavior that you respect the mushroom and you're not just recreationally tripping balls all like all the time. And, yeah. you know, then I think that emanates out and you're always going to have people, you know, just hero doses and trying shit and oh, for, you know, Internet points or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean,
0: because like, even on the U.S., let's say on the gun side, like Canada, it's we don't. Like, growing up, like, it's pretty rare that even you see a gun. Mm -hmm. But in the U.S., I mean, uh, I visited friends in Maine and, like, you go to their island cottage and, like, they got, like, 30 guns in the house. And it's not just, you know, and it's more like collector, collector, they're collectibles and and whatnot. So I think, like, in the U.S. in that sense, it's just, it's more uh, apparent and it's more likely that you're going to to, to see this as well. But, yeah, I know I agree.
1: And that's the thing, it's, like, if you are going to be exposed to something, yeah. is it better to be exposed blindly or is it better if somebody has, gives you some guidance and maybe teaches you how to like handle something properly and you know, like, like don't just treat it like a toy because you know, with, with mushrooms and playing around with your mind and consciousness, there's, there's consequences, you know, every uh, actions have consequences and whatever, what you do, so
0: yeah, um, maybe they need that education for Bangalore Road. You're gonna see something else. Everybody well become educated. <laughs> I'm joking.
1: I could see, a, yeah, like a big um, old uh, billboard out front. Like, <laughs> don't do this, don't do that. You know, <laughs> exactly. And there's a photo of people doing it right behind it. You know? But yeah, with them, um, um,
0: when when you did the psilocybin in, in the tank, can you talk a little bit about that experience? Did were you just in it for an hour? Because as most people that have done psilocybin know that usually it's kind of like 30 minutes kick in hour and a half up hour and a half down type of thing or you kind of just did you time it right or if you can explain that experience of uh, how you went about doing that
1: uh i would assume just i don't know exactly like that exact op- or time but i would assume that i probably just had the shake and drove over to the okay. shop and uh Yeah, you know, um, probably waited a half hour or something like that and jumped in. And this was a few years ago, so I don't remember exactly how long, but it was definitely probably, like, hour and a half, two hours at least. And um, I think overall I was a little (laughs) underwhelmed, but I think it was partially because I felt like it was sort of a weak dose. Um, And I, I don't really try to, like, have expectations going into the float into the tank and definitely a lot of people do when they come, they hear about certain things and kind of try to chase and experience a little bit. And I think that's the wrong way to do it. Same with, you know, mm-hmm. like psychedelics or something. It's more just be open to whatever it gives you and, and be curious. And I didn't feel like there was much there other than just like, uh, I was pretty alert. Like I wasn't like sunk into that. Like data state is what it is when you get into that weird um, sort of time gets weird and lucid mm-hmm. like world. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was pretty alert and then, uh, it was just calm laying there, you know, just meditating, breathing.
0: Um, I guess it depends on the strain and how much you took and what was it? Yeah. What, we'll, we'll sort you out then we'll find you something. I'm definitely
1: down to like maybe <laughs> throw some more science at it instead yeah, of just yeah. okay. uh, winging it and we'll, see what happens. We'll, and
0: we'll have a talk after we'll, and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to find you something a bit stronger and then you can let us know how that goes. Uh, um, no, cause so on the Island they have, there's, you can find them pretty much in, um, uh, uh, the buffalo fields mm-hmm. um it's it's pretty complex on how you got to look for them but um the best advice if you're going to look for them it's like right now is perfect so right like after
1: a rain basically right
0: yeah because you you have to it's um uh, what's it, what would what we call it a um a terraform or a, um uh, that you would put like an iguana in um uh, I, I forget the name of it but That's basically what the earth turns into when you get this rain and gray sky Mm -hmm. because you're not getting any sun coming out. It gets super humid, super sticky, but they need tons of moisture, which we just had. And you need to find, like, buffalo fields, but they need to be near a large body of water um, because some of those buffalo fields, the the ground's not as – the minerals aren't as rich. Like, for example, like, if it's near, let's say, like – Palm oil trees. Well, those palm oil trees just, like, strip the nutrients out of sure. the ground. So if there's buffaloes there, that's fine. They're getting their nutrients from the grass, but the soil is not very rich. And th- this is my experience in, like, four years hunting for them. And if it's near a large body of water, that water usually, like, kind of spills over from, from the lake into the land, and, like, you'll get in there, and, like, you can, you can feel the, the land. Like, it's clay, it's rich, it's heavy. Like, when your boot's in it, it sinks into it. Um, that's one aspect of it. If you can get near a mountain as well, like a mountainside, then that, that soil is going to even be more rich because it's coming off the mountain into the lake and then feeding this land. And then the last thing you need to look for is usually it needs to be like a rubber plantation, but not like a full blown one where it's like, you know, where you see like thousands of trees, like not that type. It's more like a bit scattered so that what you'll get is like kind of a, like a, a a tree line and then it will be open field. And then this way, what happens is they tie the Buffalo around the trees and the Buffalo eat all the grass around the trees because the rubber plantation cups are attached to the tree and they don't want to use pesticides to like kill the grass. So they t- attach the Buffalo to clear it so that they can put the cup as low um, to the bottom of the tree as possible so that it can get maximum sap. Sure. Right, And then that keeps it low. But at the same time, as that buffalo is walking around the tree, he's just shitting all over the place. And then the rain will come in, but as it's on the tree and it's on the tree line, it's getting some of the sun, and then the other half of the day, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because if it's just out, like, if you're just in a buffalo field and they're all over the place and there's no tree line, and they, they, they shit and you go to try to find the mushroom, you're not going to find it because it, the second these the sun comes out here, I mean... It could be pouring rain for two days straight and then sunny for five hours, and like that whole fields will be dry mm-hmm. in like seconds yeah, it just could burn off, yeah, it just burns off, so like i've probably the first couple times I found some fields like I probably went into twenty twenty plus fields and found now I found like two where it's like every time I've been there it's like a well, gold a d- gold mine
1: I, I definitely think. uh. Well, my best buddy back home, he's gotten into, like, mushroom hunting and stuff for food and whatnot, and uh, so I don't have any expertise to, like, identify it, and I'm like, you know, if well, I went with someone who knew what they were doing, I'd feel more comfortable, for sure. But, it's
0: It's pretty um, easy. Like, there's literally, when you're out there, there's, like, three mushrooms. There's yeah. one that's, like, poisonous that will kill you, but it's massive. It's, like, this big, and it's white. And kind of the rule of thumb with mushrooms is, if you flip the cap and the cap's white, it's poisonous. Okay. Um, so if you have a white top and a and a dark bottom, that's fine. But there's only two type that we're looking for out there. One's called like the golden teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen them out there bigger than a frisbee plate and like maybe three feet, four feet tall. Jesus, huge. <laughs> Those ones. But they're not very potent. Those yeah. are usually the ones you're going to find out at the reggae bars here. It's okay. called the Golden Teacher, and they'll throw those in a shake. Yeah, The reason they do that, because they weigh a lot more when they're wet, and they can tell you however much you're getting, but they're not potent at all. The other ones here, they're called, and, and the Golden Teachers. it's called psilocybin cub- cubensis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the famous one Terrence McKenna talks about. If you ever listen to his like uh, lectures on, I think on SoundCloud, there's a guy called um Laszlo and it's what is the channel called uh, the psychedelic salon okay if you if you go on soundcloud and you type in psychedelic salon this guy Laszlo he has like hundreds of like uh lectures from Terrence McKenna in the 80s and like those on a walk are like mind blowing like
1: have you seen the uh or heard the like some of the remixes that the guys will do they'll like put a beat to a lecture or something like that and they'll cut out like chunks of like the talk and put it like yeah they do without
0: alan watts too yeah like a
1: chill step kind of yeah yeah those are i I, I miss that like i used to you know have that drive wherever and uh back in the u.s and that was like podcast audiobooks stuff like that and (laughs) here i kind of lack that a little bit so um i don't consume as much audio as i would but um yeah those are uh there's a guy what's his name um on a blank now there's a dude I, I came across maybe through an alan watts one like a there was a playlist and i found this guy and he's done it with like joe rogan with goggins with jocko
0: um and it's it. it's just kind of it's more like jordan uh, peterson they're 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 golden nuggets of information yeah, dropped like over like a, a lo-fi beat if you
1: need like a little motivation yeah. or something yeah. you got like yeah some sort of uh you know you're working out or something on a run and yeah, it's well, like I find Goggins yelling in your ear, but it's an enjoyable because it's to a beat, you know?
0: Yeah, these, uh, like on a walk, you can digest it. I find like any audiobook on a run is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way for me, I, I, I can do it at the gym, but like when I work out, like I'll be in the gym for two hours. But I take like, uh, I do that like Russian style where I take like two minute breaks between like heavy sets. So like it's easy to digest, but if I, I run around here a lot. But once you start going, it's very difficult to like. You can listen to ten minutes, and like I literally have to rewind, and it sounds like it's brand new again. It's hard to really. That re- it's hard I, to retain when I
1: read. I'm like, what? I just scanned this whole thing. Yeah, that's why I, can, I, like, can, I, I can't even read the, anymore. I, I, I it's, it's. It's like a. It's a skill that needs. It's a perishable skill, basically. Yeah. It's like. Well, it's trying not, to make sure I kind of sharpen that sword if I.
0: If can, you're reading. I I forget who said this, but I found it worked for me. It's um, when you're reading, it's best to read like 30 minutes to like an hour. Pretty much like first thing in the morning, like get up, meditate, drink some water, and then start reading. For me personally, like if I try to read a book at like 9 p.m., I read like three pages. Don't retain a single word and pass out. (laughs) Yeah, It's It's like you can't keep an eye open. It's just too late at night.
1: I struggle with that because I'm a big believer in... uh that first hour and last hour sort of thing and try to avoid screens as much as I can. And then it's like, what do you do? Do you read? And I'm the same way as soon as I start reading, like I'm not retaining this. And I tend to not read for pleasure. Like rarely do I, and that's something maybe some fiction book if I was into, it's like, okay, I passed out, I passed out, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, if you're trying to read and learn something, it's not, not at night. It doesn't, doesn't stick. And, um, yeah, definitely a challenging habit or something to install into your lifestyle.
0: Th- that's what's good about the audiobooks. Like you can take them, uh, you go for a walk and then like, mm-hmm. I'll try to do like whatever you, you, two chapters. But then like, if I go walk for two hours and I listen to an hour, the next time I walk, I rewind it 15 minutes and I can start from that point again. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like I just, I don't retain much anyway. Um, uh, so back back to the float tanks uh, side. Now, you you acquired this in 2018. Um, I'm assuming the business is doing well right up until the, the... We'll call it... Let's use the words the current situation, just so <laughs> YouTube doesn't flag us. Um, up to the point about the current situation, can you walk us through... Because uh, everyone felt that, obviously, not just on the island, the entire world, especially in terms of their business. Um, how did that affect you, and how did you kind of get through that?
1: You know, it was it was obviously pretty crazy um uh, just being on the island and everything shut down you couldn't leave too long or you know everyone kind of dealt with something pretty crazy wherever they were but um for me I closed the shop we were closed 2 years uh we opened back up in like March this year I think completely closed yeah um i could have opened back up a little earlier but so part of it was just my own timeline and what i had going on but there wasn't a lot of people here anyway and uh so um. Yeah. I. I was closed. I. I was right in the beginning pr- stages of like a rebranding, kind of figuring out what the shop. Like I realized it wasn't my shop, I guess. And uh, so I was gonna. What do you mean by that? Like it was, uh, the previous owner. You know, they had built it. They. It was kind of. I just took over and kept doing things the same way. And um, and then over time, I kind of learned, like you know, that just different logo, different maybe goals and strategies and stuff like that. And so um, I was just in that beginning stages. I needed a new website and new signs. And I was like, well, when I buy new signs, I need to make sure the logo is what I want it to be. And it kind of turned into this big spiral, really. And, um, and where that's landed me is when I went back up, kind of remodeled the whole shop. And I rented out, um, leased out the shop behind me right as COVID hit. It was March 2020. And I'd close a shop and then like two days later sign a lease on more space. Shit. And, uh, and that at that point I was planning on um, originally going to do a second tank in there. And I wanted some sort of little studio because I I get to have a lot of awesome conversations with people when they get out of the tank. And there's many times where it's an hour later and it's like, fuck, that should have been recorded, you know. Mm. And uh, it originally started for me as like a solution to maybe my marketing challenges which I don't really have a lot of visual content you know to post it's dark tank so um, what's valuable and from my perspective is people's experience and testimony and they don't want to hear from me over and over again saying my own my same experience everyone has their own reasons and what they get out of it and and so my thought was obviously let's record these conversations and make a podcast out of it and so, my plan was to build a studio there and, and try to fit it in between the two tanks. And then once COVID hit, I'm like, I don't really need two tanks right now. So, I turned that space into my office slash man cave slash studio. And um, we're, we're really right at the launching off point of um, going full time with uh, podcast and uh, building out basically a media little media company, but it's more in-house for, um, for Float Indigo and
0: specifically for those experiences coming out of, uh, out of the float tank. That
1: that's what, that's the big core of it. Um, it's, you know, that production capability and and to, uh, basically create content for the shop. And then, would it be like
0: a YouTube channel, like a, like a a float diaries type of style or
1: so it's really going to be its own full, like, yeah, YouTube podcast, um, probably an Instagram page as far as the, um, the way I see it, Gary V. puts out this, like, um, plan, I guess, where you can follow along, like, this is how he creates content. You know, it's long form, just records, like, a two-hour yeah. podcast, and then you can obviously cut it up and put it in different places. And so um, so from just having conversations with people, stuff about floating will come up, their perspective. They're going to get out of the tank and then go on the show. Um, so, it'll, you know, Yo, what's up? How was your float? And so there's just able to take out a little bit of those segments and throw it at the um, float specific content, I guess. But um, it's more about like, like, so the the podcast itself is going to be soul indigo. And that's, it's a bit of a personal, um, I wouldn't say coaching, but like, it's my perspective and, and where, where I feel like I can, contribute some value to people. would it be
0: set up like as in people coming out of the tank or it'd be post tank like you're setting up an interview for them to come
1: back basically like you come out of the tank and then we're just gonna chill and like this you know kick okay. it and just have a conversation and it's not about floating it's 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 grown going bigger than that now it's just about making good content with you know there's so many quality people and mm-hmm. you know, with tons of wisdom tons of experience a lot of a lot of just awesome people to have on and um think it's awesome you're doing this here up because like this island is pretty unique you know and to be to have the access to people that are a lot of people doing cool sh- cool stuff and um kind of next level stuff people ahead of the curve in a lot of ways and um so it's a good way to learn and share some of that but and and showcase those people but also like so for me the the, the studio itself is like uh it's a resource that I can kind of per- or add add to the soy and and the surrounding area is just a lot of business owners, a lot of coaches, a lot of athletes, a lot of people that um, if you can kind of take that load off them of creating content, because it is hard. It takes a lot of shit to figure out. Um, Obviously a lot of equipment and resources and um, it's, it's no joke like what you're doing. And so um, the way I see it is if I can take that load off of some people, they can focus on what they do well. And um, for me with the float shop, Planning on uh, building out like a sponsorship program, and one of those things is having some of that media uh, resources behind it. So, yeah, a lot of these
0: people on the island as well. Like, um, you're you're tapping into their their audience, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a win-win. It's like, okay, we give you this content, you can chop it up, you can use it how how you want as reels of you know of of this. Um, But then that kind of connects back to you at the end of the day. And when you're fishing, that's what we are talking about, like. As we come out with this product eventually and we've, we do a hundred episodes, that means I have a hundred fishing rods mm-hmm. out there and someone's going to bite. But the hardest thing that you'll face I found is that it's very easy to turn these podcasts into like a healthy lifestyle podcast because that's the majority of the people on the Island. Sure. And we've, we've tried our best to avoid that. Like I could, Every other week could be an MMA star, uh, a Muay Thai fighter, a Jiu Jitsu fighter, someone involved in CrossFit. This, this, and that. uh, You know, nutrition. But we're like, that's the hard. That was the hard. That's the hardest thing for us every week because we can just turn it on and be Uh, like, and we we we, trying to keep it more diverse. Otherwise, saturated too. It's quite yeah. It's quite saturated. And also for the listeners every week, you uh, we want to try to surprise them, Mm -hmm. like with something something else. And there is no. Um, theme to this podcast it's nice just to not
1: put yourself in a box
0: no we don't want to put ourselves in a box at all um and, and for me personally too because this is more just a creative outlet because i i do work and with electronics manufacturing it's more of a desk job mm-hmm. so it's like once a week i use this to kind of uh, step away from the desk as well and it's uh, an interesting networking tool as well so
1: dude i think it's yeah. awesome man like <laughs> there's so many benefits and that's what like the conclusion I've come to is it's not about selling floats. There's, no. there's so much more that can be done with that platform and the, the access and what it does for those guests. And like you said, create content that they can put out. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a fun, it's about the lifestyle for me really. Like, like I want to wake up and what am I doing today? Like these are the things I want to do. And if I can do that in a way that creates value for others as well, um, you know, if I'm filming my going to the sauna and ice bath and like just talking about some stuff or if I'm, you know, gonna like provide some media content, maybe it's fight week for somebody that I've sponsored and I can like maybe send a, I just had a um, Semper and, um, uh, Amir and a Siri went down to Singapore mm-hmm. and, uh, sent a GoPro with them just to be like, yo, film that shit. Like see what you come back with and it's just raw data. You package it up and. Now they've got something they can put out, and um, I feel like just having the the soy there, there's definitely a need for, like, those resources, but you're right. It could be easy to, like, kind of fall into this, like, very easy. small little box, and I'm not that interested in that either. Um, I think how I see it <laughs> is, like, if, th- if you think about the the type of person that travels to the soy, like it's it's a unique type of person that travels
0: to work out. Basically,
1: you know, everybody there is there to better themselves in some way, whether it's to win a title belt or whether it's to like you know, it's fat camp or
0: whatever. Yeah, they're not going there like let's say post New Year's, um, post New Year's Eve, and, and buying a gym membership that they go for one week and never go back. There. Yeah. Most of them are dedicated for minimum two weeks and most like one month to three months.
1: Yeah, you 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 committed the time, the money to get there. Especially now, like I feel like even it's changed with you know the challenges to get into the country, the people that came, the people that stayed like that little community there. Um, obviously it's scattered a little bit with, with, uh, with the word we shall not name, but yeah. um, it's a, uh, it's such a unique situation and community that um, for me, it's, it's fun to be a part of and fun to like, just have those conversations with people so to someone, everyone has a story. Everyone's um, there for whatever reason. And, and so um Yeah, I I think it's, for me, just like a a little bit of that creative outlet. And I actually create something instead of be consuming content. And Um, it's a a a different
0: dynamic. You'll see when when you start doing your own podcast, you're part of the podcast. So what I mean by that is if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm digesting information from two people. But if I'm actually performing in the podcast um, and I start repeating myself on a lot of my daily uh, lifestyle things, for some reason I start doing those even more the next day because now I've kind of released it to the universe or whatever. And I told everyone that I meditate once in the morning and, and maybe you do like three times a week, but like I, you'll see that you just start doing it more or you, you start talking on the podcast. Yeah. I go to the gym four or five days a week. Yeah, I probably do. I do. But like, for example, this podcast will end and I will push myself to go to the gym because I just said that now. I don't know it's it's hard to explain I, it's a different dynamic on the podcast and also I find you you retain the information better than listening to a podcast so when I when we're speaking I, everything that we are going to speak about I'm going to retain that much better than if I was to listen to this podcast
1: 100% like you're you're actually in the conversation yeah. and um yeah there's kind of two things there first the actual listening part I'm excited about that cuz I really want to learn how to listen better so as the host like I don't want to keep repeating the same shit, you know. Right. Telling, oh, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, at some point, it's the same story, right? So it's it's a chance to just practice being interested in somebody else, and I think that's uh, that's big one big thing that I, I'm looking forward to. And um, and asking questions and like asking good questions is a really good skill. It's one thing I think Joe Rogan does really well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a fun outlet to like just have nothing and then have something all of a sudden like you've created something like it took ideas and now it's like packaged up and put in front of people and and that that influences their behavior you know you are what you consume whether it's food books you know so if if, if you're listening to stuff having like high level conversations um you're gonna that's gonna reflect in your, your external world and but I totally get the, like, the external accountability part of it that, that's kind of nice. I'm looking forward to that as well. Is like, yo, like, now I got to show up, you know? It's yeah, like and you it's, can't just it's, talk about shit and then not, not really be it.
0: That's why I don't really believe in that school of thought. People will be like, yeah, if you have an idea, don't tell anyone until it's successful. It's like, fuck that. I'll tell everyone. And if it fails, like, I don't really give a shit either.
1: And I don't give a shit if someone steals it. Because then yeah, it's like, it's, maybe I wasn't motivated enough to. Just an idea. It's like I'm not attached to it. An idea is nothing. An yeah. idea
0: is, uh, the execution is everything. And and I'll talk about business idea. I mean, we've been talking about this mushroom product for a year and saying summer and this and that. And people, hey, when's that product coming out? I'm like, I don't know. It, it, it'll come out when it comes out. We're trying.
1: It, that's been me with the, the float shop and rebranding. Yeah. It's been a lesson in patience. But I'm a big believer in that. Like like just going with the flow and, you know, if you it's not, it's never on your timeline, you know, like you build this idea how it's supposed to go in your head or there's external expectations of when things are supposed to be done. And that's not really life. And that's not in my opinion, the the most efficient way to live life. I think you kind of got to just go where your energy wants to go. And, um, you know, if you're working on something and it's not there and like, it's okay to set it, put it on the shelf and, you know, you go maybe pick up other skills that you need or, you know there's other things that are more important that mm-hmm. your attention and energy you want to go to that allow you to be more prepared when you do launch that and um it, this kind of feels like a culmination of that path that that process uh I was talking to so I've been working with do you know Eric Erresk he was the coach at top team um
0: um I think so that the other issue with this podcast is like now I start connecting with so many sure. people that like yeah. I I'll know their face or, and or they'll reach out to me and then a month ago. But I think, he, he's I think been this gone guy, reached, I think, I think this guy, I think he reached out to me on, on uh, my Instagram. Oh, did he? Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I've been working with him as like, he's just as a mentor coach sort of role. Uh, really like what he's about and what, he, what he's doing and talked to him this morning. And, um, that was kind of the conversation was uh, along the lines essentially about, you know, like we talked like just having to ask questions and listening and like um, trying to go with the flow more, you know, not having expectations. He's big on having a blank slate, you know, going into a situation and um, you know, it's all just feedback. So if you, if you wake up and you don't want to go on that run, like you always have a choice, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's Mm. just, Information okay, I'm not feeling motivated. What's that about? Like, is it you can either go through that if you have a purpose or something that's strong enough to like keep you kind of pushed through when you want to grow from that experience, or you can listen to it and be like, Well, I want to watch TV, you know, fuck it. Like, I'm gonna,
0: yeah, but the song, I, I see, I, I, I kind of have you, have you ever heard of the book The Atomic Habits? mm hmm. Are, yeah, I kind of live by that. It's a little bit because I'll, I'll have the same like these, these little things like ah, I, I don't want to go for a run. But it's like you'll tell yourself that. But what I'll do is while I'm telling myself that I just put on my fucking shoes. Yeah. And then it's done. Now you're running. Yeah. Like it's not it's the, it's it's not getting to the point of the run. It's it's getting to the point of like literally like put on your shoes or if I don't want to go to the gym. I'll tell myself I don't want to go to the gym, but if I grab my backpack and put it on the counter, hundred percent I'll go.
1: A but lot of it's just like you, you have to like remind yourself a little bit, you know. Like you're when you're motivated, like everyone has hustle when they're doing something they love, you know. So it, it's like if you if you're not feeling that motivation, if you're not like feeling that energy, then it's either like what you love is on the other side of that, and you got to go through it and just suck it up and go on that run or whatever or you need to pay more attention to that information and say, this isn't where my heart's at, you know? And, and maybe there's another exercise or maybe, but I think it's important to have those key fundamental things in place. Like, like the daily, the daily consistency is a challenge for sure. But that's,
0: what's good about Phuket. You have that access to try uh, many different activities here. Like I've, I've, I've tried jujitsu. I did maybe, 40 classes and it just wasn't for me i kept every class i went to i didn't want to go and i just realized okay it's just not for me um muay thai i enjoyed other things here surfing okay i can enjoy that uh golfing but uh let's say again wakeboarding okay i've smashed my head like eight <laughs> times in one day i'm like that's enough for me or my shoulders ripping out okay maybe i'm getting a bit too old for that
1: maybe we need to get on go-karts yeah <laughs>
0: the go-karts fucking i i've had we had one up in China. While my my uh, my boss at the time he was he's crazy into go karts, so we bought these like souped up ones. And like the first time out on the track, he like broke like three of his ribs because he was like these. I'm talking these ones are so strong that when you're taking the corners, it's smashing around. But um, back, I think we mentioned this a couple times on the podcast. What's so what you'll find in, the most interesting and um, the the biggest resource on this island is unique people, mm-hmm. meaning that like. If you went to Ann Arbor, if you went to where I'm from, outside of Toronto, probably in a town, I don't know, a town of 30,000 people where where I'm from, um, you're going to find like 5% of the people are unique enough to have that conversation with, maybe to bring on the podcast. And the reality is the rest aren't. It is what it is.
1: There's a lot of concentration. But on this
0: island, I would say 90% of the people that you meet have an interesting conversation because how the fuck did they get here? And that's the story there's always something to that. Some sort of like, uh, something kicked them in the ass to move here at some point. I would say 90% of the people, there's always like some sort of like, yeah, I had a bad relationship. My job was shit. I didn't like my, you know, my lifestyle here. I was a drug addict. I needed to get out. I needed to escape. And, and, and then most of them, they get here and they, they kind of find it. And I think that's because the entire community here is supporting each other as well, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Um, but yeah, you, you will find find that I find as you start to bring people on the podcast, it, and it becomes quite easy as well.
1: That's that's what I've found. Like going back to the that idea of like the people that travel to the soy. That's that's what I see mostly. Um, I certainly get to meet other people throughout the island. But um, you know, you take that group of the population that something wasn't working, or they're you know something brought them here to, to they're working on something, and then you scrape off a chunk of those that come float. Like it's a very, very unique subset of the population really that like I get to interact with and start to see patterns of like their behaviors, what they've done, their experience, their stories, their, their tools and stuff, the resources they use to, to kind of, um, keep themselves functioning, you know, or improve whatever they're trying to improve. And, um, it's, it's really the fundamentals, man, like wake up get, get some sunlight, stand in the, stand in the dirt, you know, move around a little bit, like do a few pushups or something. Like
0: it's also, it has to do with the weather as well. I think that, that like feeling of being so close to the ocean, the ability to hop on a motorbike and drive around to clear your head. Um, I mean, we come kind of come from the same climate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that winter period where it is depressing. It is difficult. You yeah. can't go for a run in mid January. Like, what do you do? <laughs> So it's like I feel well, for you those can.
1: I I was back uh I got stuck in Wisconsin uh both winters the last two years and uh my hometown but I was like kind of staying in kind of a northwoods cabin type setup no Wi-Fi, and um my best buddy and another dude I grew up playing hockey with a good friend of mine um they work like 9 to 5 or not even like probably like 7 to whatever like factory job kind of thing and um they're going to the YMCA at four 30 in the morning, going on runs and then opens up five getting workouts in and I kind of was like, oh, I can't really say no that, yeah. that, you know, like I'll go back to home and go to bed. But, um, I just to see like the, I don't know, that hardiness or something and there's some good energy there that it's so easy to sit back and drink a beer and watch Netflix and you Get know fat. what I mean? And like, <laughs> so to see yeah. people doing that is pretty inspiring. And here, like you said that everybody's doing that. You know, everybody's kind of on that same mission and they're kind of, this place can eat you up and spit you out if you come and don't kind of grow up a little bit. Well, it depends um, what
0: road you go down. If you become the, you know, uh, beach club, Bangla Rock in yeah. uh, Hooker Bay, what's that place called? Hooker Bay Hill or whatever. I've never been up <laughs> there. Tong Bay Hill. Tong Bay Hill, yeah. That's what uh, they call it. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's that road to it as well. In living in Phuket, but there, I think it's more the majority of the community is, you know, uh, on the side of trying to better oneself.
1: And I think it helps having that support. You know, like you can't get too lost without maybe someone keeping you within in in the, between the lines, I guess. But um, yeah, it's really it's a freedom here. I feel like if you you have the freedom to do a lot of things, good or bad, and and whatever that means to you, and you know, it's simple as like is this serving me and instead of kind of being in a box you have that freedom and if you don't have that self-discipline or that willpower to maybe make good decisions at times it can it can spiral out of control here you know and then the flip side of that is you just have that momentum that you can gain from being in, constantly surrounded by people that are like operating at a high level that are constantly like you know putting the work in and getting shit done and you know you watch people monkey see monkey do really
0: yeah and especially uh, that's the value of instagram as well here Mm -hmm. i know there's there's the the negative side and the positive side but i find living in phuket one of the positives when you're connecting to all these people that are involved in that community and the healthy lifestyle and you start to follow them you can see it all day on instagram instead of i would assume maybe back home that that chatter can be maybe a bit more negative at times like you know and and uh, just
1: being like influenced by the people around you and the habits and like if you've never Mm. left you kind of in the same patterns and and then i think with the the last couple years one great thing that came out of is that disruption of those patterns people had to kind of like either their job changed or they moved or you know they just something changed where they kind of had to look around a little bit and and kind of ask like okay what am i what am i doing here so what did you
0: do to uh, as you're closed for two years, what were you doing to keep yourself busy or, or to pass the time?
1: Um, so bl- like part of the time was here and, uh, some of it was working on the shop and, and just, uh, different times with construction, the branding stuff and going through those processes. A lot of it was just chilling, hanging out. Um, fortunate to be able to like have, basically paid no rent last two winters and, um, ate a lot of venison. So, yeah. uh, it, it was an opportunity to kind of slow down a little bit and um fortunate to i have a rental property in denver that's like supposed to be going on the market here right now but um it's cash flowed enough to keep me survive and a little crypto here and a little bit yeah. of savings there and just kind of made things work but i've I lucked out in a way because I wasn't. How's the
0: crypto doing right now? (laughs) I don't even look at that. Like it's just. uh, You have your own, like, uh, strategy of how how you got into that, or are you are you big into it, or is it kind of?
1: I've I've had, my attention kind of comes and goes, um, and at times I've dove into it heavily and following a lot of shit, and um, I got into like the Wall Street bet stuff back when you know, beginning all this stuff kind of went down, and um, like part of it's entertainment. And a lot of it's just placing bets on things that I think long-term where I see things going. And, um, for me, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely not something I want to like be actively doing managing 24 seven. I'm in a couple of groups on discord and stuff and there's some people that do that. And I just kind of like cherry pick off of their, their wisdom yeah. and, um, again, it's for me, it's following, like, is my attention wanting to be in this space? Is it energy wanting to go there? Mm-hmm. If it is, I nerd out on it and I'm like, you know, up all night. And when I remember back when like, when uh, the pandemic started, like the stock market opens it, you know, 12 hour difference from here. So it's like, all right, going to work at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. and up all night watching shit just go nuts for a week or two. Yeah, it's too and, much. And, uh, it, it's just, uh, for me, again, it goes back to that lifestyle. Like I'm trying to work towards something that, like the day to day, is what I love doing. Being around people I like, having the conversations I like. Um, you know that that's that environment's so important. You know, getting out of that depressing, cold, yeah. you know, winter. Yeah, if I'm, you're not using it to your advantage, like I would have been, I couldn't tell you where my head would be at if I was, didn't have those people getting me up at going on runs at four in the morning because it set me. In a different space for that that chunk of time like i uh I got one of those like infrared sauna tent things and bought like a horse trough at the farming and fleet and filled it with cold water and stuck it out in the barn and you know did the hot cold stuff in the winter and just had a yoga mat up there and actually made my own tmt <laughs> and really? so just kind of <laughs> like just hanging out and seeing what what comes of it but um it could have easily been know, just sit there and watch movies and fuck off. And, you know, it's what you make of it. Like
0: so were you by yourself at this log cabin, just kind of trying to self-isolate, not from the situation, but just for yourself mentally?
1: It was mostly, like, I had gone back the first year for my best friend's wedding. And so I was just staying. My parents have, like, a farm hunting land, basically. And uh, so I was just staying there. And
0: it was supposed to be, like, a two- to three-week trip. And turned into seven months. How are you making DMT up there? Isn't it like you're taking is isn't it is it tree bark? It's uh you
1: can order the bark, like powdered okay. up and shit and right. it's it's legal. And then um like I'm not a chemist or anything, I don't know what the hell Because You I'm have doing.
0: to be using some sort of catalyst, no?
1: So there's uh I use naphtha, which mm. is some sort of like almost like a paint thinner type of thing. And um just went to the hardware store, got naphtha. I think I had to buy Lye. Mm. Um and it's uh, the process I use is basically you, you take the bark, mix it with the lye. And I think it takes it from an acid to a base. And then you put the naphtha in and it like pulls all those molecules into the naphtha and it sits on top of like the, the brown Mm -hmm. solution or whatever with the bark. And, um, and then you just extract that and put it like in a pyrex in the freezer and it like crystallizes and all that, uh, the naphtha sort of evaporates off. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a bunch of ways, but it's pretty legal and pretty basic. Um,
0: have Have you done ayahuasca? Or I
1: still have not done it yet. Um, that's I, funny because I, that, I
0: did it here at Copenhagen. Did you? Yeah, I but I uh, didn't it learn more in, about that. Uh, I don't think it was strong enough. Okay, it's a bit strange.
1: I, f- I feel like I was actually planning on doing it in uh, Ecuador this January.
0: Yeah, I think if you're everyone that I've I've had friends that have done it, if it's better, uh, much better to go do it in South America. I feel um, like there's
1: a it goes back to that respect and kind of doing yeah. it the right way, and um, and I think
0: you'd have to get also like kind of weeding your way away, like getting away from the snake oil salesman, like actually trying to do it as authentic as possible.
1: There's definitely like those commercial sort of.
0: Yeah, see, mine was more commercial, which was nothing bad against them. It's just that's all they could do. They came from the U.S. They had to bring it here. They had to make it here. They did a little ceremony, but it's
1: there's a lot with the the shaman aspect I think yeah. that's important having that guidance and um yeah it's it's that that one's been sort of the like holy grail in my head and again it goes back to like that's sort of what kicked off a lot of this um I remember reading um how to change your mind by Michael Pollan he yeah on Joe Rogan yeah, that I've was a that. good book the really that was kind of the one that mentally got me past like okay I'm gonna go get some mushrooms and you know and uh just kind of doing my own homework basically. And, and so the ayahuasca was something I'm like, well, I should probably do other things first, you know, and kind of worked up to it. And now it's like when and that opportunity arises and it does feel like South America is pulling me that way, maybe in the next couple of years or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it shows itself when it needs to, you know, it doesn't, yeah, you don't have to chase it. I so.
0: Honestly, like I've done, Hero doses on psilocybin that are Mm. way stronger than ayahuasca, but I also I've talked to some people from the ayahuasca I did, and they're like, if you didn't go to this level, then yours it just wasn't strong. And then I talked to the people that administered it, and they're like, yeah, we didn't want people to freak out. So there's that aspect to it. Like I didn't puke at all. Okay. No, and a a lot of, and even a couple. There's a girl beside me, and she's like, I've done ayahuasca a hundred times. I'm like, first, I'm like, why would you do it a hundred times? slow learner <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm like i think probably once is enough yeah. and uh she's like no nah, no nah, i wasn't that strong but um
1: i mean that's that's a big part of it is like the purge aspect like not yeah. only like physically but like psychologically you know and, and so to not do that like i feel like that is a big component that you're well missing. you
0: you purge you purge in multiple ways they explain it mm-hmm. like when you know when you do um uh, like mushroom psilocybin you yawn a lot that's a form of that. that you ever notice you yawning like
1: i'll have to pay attention you'll see it <laughs> next time you,
0: you'll yawn a lot of, that's a form of purge okay so they yeah. say yawning crying puking uh shitting and uh something else but apparently you can do all four and it's called like the golden star like you're crying on the toilet shitting pissing puking and yawning (laughs) like this is what they say when you're when you're doing the ayahuasca i'm like fuck why would you tell someone that before we're about to start this i'm like that sounds absolutely terrible
1: i wish someone told me that back in college when i was like just like oh this is this a purge it's good (laughs) for me
0: you know Uh, no you're you're, because you're getting some sort of toxin or something out, out of the system as well what um are you able to talk a bit of, a bit about your DMT experience and like how does that differentiate, differentiate from psilocybin?
1: I mean, I can go over a lot of it was my memory is pretty poor. Well, well but, first um, is it's
0: not long. It's like 10-15 yeah, minutes, yeah.
1: Um so the way I did it was I just had a little pipe with uh, some weed and you know, I think the I'd like to try it with like a cartridge and like a oil or whatever, like a vape pen type of thing. Um, but this was like, I just put a little weed in there and then sprinkle the crystal on and then put a little on top and it's, it's tough to not like melt or burn the crystals. So there'd be times where I'm like, Man, I don't really feel much. And other times it was like just blast off and you're kind of like rolling the dice a little, you're not sure. So that was a little wild, but, um, overall, yeah, it's like five to 10 minutes. Um, definitely can feel different, like feel longer or dip, you know, um,
0: is there do, do you come out of that similar to psilocybin where you, you come out with, like, something that you, you've learned from the experience or something that, like, you, you can take away from it?
1: I, I felt like it was so, like, intense that it's hard to, like, kind of bring anything back. Like, it's almost like, you know, when you dream and then you wake up and if you don't write it down right away, it's kind of just gone. Yeah, I felt like it was that. Like as I was sort of coming back to it, was kind of just so out there, and you know, you couldn't even um, integrate much. And so you're kind of
0: hoping more your subconscious tapped into something that.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there's you know I'm I'm just by myself and screwing around in a way, but like if I had some sort of maybe um, like guide or something to keep me, maybe maybe there's like direction and questions that could be asked and stuff like that. Versus just kind of like,
0: just yeah, get
1: blasted through hyperspace, you know, and, and just like yeah,
0: that's what they too much too much to process. I forget who I forget where I heard this. Maybe Dennis McKenna, I can't remember, but it's about the about the Terrence McKenna hero dose. Mm-hmm. I've done it maybe two or three times, and if I do it, I'll do it like once a year max. Yeah. Um. And again, it's one of those things where like, I've tried to come out of it and write stuff down, and it just like you can kind of get like two sentences down and then just like you forget everything. And I've tried, I've tried before on it writing. And like, you're just like, you have the paper and pen and just like, you're like, this doesn't fucking even work. It's, it's, it's too difficult. And what he was saying is what they'll do is like, you, you don't even not so much you do it with a guide, but like you have a bell beside the bed. And when something profound comes, um, you ring the bell and it could be like a, a friend or a spouse or whatever. And they just come into the room and you tell them because you can, you can, you would be able to verbalize it.
1: I feel like that was the challenge where I was, I was half of me was trying to just pay, like observe the experience. And then the other half was trying to like, like kind of understand it and like kind of put some like left brain aspects to it maybe where, I can take stuff back and, like, understand what this means or, you know what I mean? It's it's one thing to just fully just be along for the ride. And I felt like I was trying to, like, document. I was even, some of it's recorded. Like, I had a GoPro and stuff. And so, like, I'd be talking to the GoPro, Mm -hmm. trying to piece together logically something that I should just be, like, letting go of that aspect and kind of just. Paying attention, really.
0: Yeah, because it gets quite abstract as well. Yeah, so Um, it was like
1: I had a foot in, like, sort of two different dimensions in a way. And it kind of was very confusing. Like, I almost didn't know. um, Like, I didn't necessarily dive all the way into the trip sometimes. And I didn't necessarily gain a lot from the conversations or what I was talking about, because maybe I didn't have a very clear understanding. Did you see
0: the the elves? People talk about the elves. I never saw the
1: elves. The only thing that I really recall straight off the bat at the moment um, was I had this really bizarre experience where uh, I remember, like, some tension in my shoulder blade. I was just laying on my yoga mat, basically, and just breathing. And and, uh, everything was very orange. And then all of a sudden, I saw Epstein's face. Okay. And I was like, whoa. Like I just remember being like, yo, we're out, like peace out. And I like kind of snapped out of it and like kinda opened my eyes and was like, What the fuck? I ain't I don't know where that comes from, but I ain't going down there. You know? No. Like, <laughs> it was weird, man. Um
0: But it can be like you saw that on the news earlier that day in a po- like when you have a, a weird dream, it's sometimes it's like whatever you saw twenty minutes before you went to bed comes into your dream and it's just something so ridiculous.
1: This felt like I was connecting to I don't know if you'd say, like, a dimension or, like, like a. I, I don't know, like, you know what remote viewing is? Yeah. I kind of felt like there was, like, that potential there. Like I, like, I could have been, like, accessing some sort of experience or perspective or something that, like, if I if I dove into it deeper, but I, I bitched out. But <laughs> I,
0: I have five stories of that. I won't I go like, down that rabbit hole. Like,
1: I've never really had a bad trip, though, so, yeah. like that was something where it was like no 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 I don't want to go there
0: on on that sure. remote viewing uh, as, as that connects to, to float tanks now who was the scientist that was wasn't he testing with dolphins and float tanks and LSD
1: John C. Lilly
0: yeah correct um, so he, do you, can you tell a little bit about the history uh, they talk a lot a bit about that on Rogan I d- he doesn't dive too much deep but uh, obviously coming from your background in float tanks I'm just, I'm assuming you you've done that research could you yeah. speak a little bit about that
1: so he he gets the credit for like inventing the isolation tank or as i think what he called it um there's a there's a few different terms out there like there's a sensory deprivation tank float therapy um they call it rest like restricted environmental stimulus therapy or something so there's been various sort of brandings throughout the years in industry but it really started in like the 50s you had this big tank and like a big scuba helmet or something and um was floating and uh there it was actually kind of a thing like in the 60s 70s into the 80s like there were float centers around and um it, they developed the product better into more like commercial tanks and stuff and uh, my understanding is that the aids scare was the kind of killed the industry cuz it was it was like bathhouses and stuff like that we didn't know how it transferred so people got scared of like public in the 80s yeah and so it just the whole i if i recall I'm part of a few industry groups and stuff, and there was like a report, and I think it said that there was zero or one float center that's op- been open since before like 1990. It killed the entire industry. I don't have the stats or data to know how many were around, but like uh, it before just that, how off.
0: many were around? Like, or I, I mean, I would,
1: it sounds like it was kind of common. Uh, maybe one in e- each city or major city or something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, it's kind of where it's at now where every major city and some smaller ones have them, but, uh, it was, a, it was apparently like a pretty big industry. Like a, it, it wasn't like it just came out in the last five or 10 years or whatever, or It kind of became more known. Um, it just shut it off and then kind of had to rebuild and, and the nineties pretty quiet and, um, and it sort of spread. And now it's pretty popular. A lot of, uh, pro teams, NFL teams have float tanks and stuff in their facilities, and uh, I've talked to a couple of the manufacturers, and they have different, you know, clients and stuff. I know I went to University of Wisconsin. I know they have float tanks there, and um, the, U- the UFC Performance Institute in mm-hmm. Shanghai has them. Um, so, yeah, it was a uh, it was an industry, and back then they they were exploring consciousness. And
0: was, was he doing it with the dolphins and LSD at this time, or how did that all connect?
1: I don't know if the dolphins if that had anything to do with the tanks. I feel like he was using LSD to, like, talk to dolphins or something. Something like that. But yeah. I don't know if he was doing that with the tank. Uh,
0: or what was his uh, initial motivation to... Was it for remote viewing ase- initially, or was it more...
1: I think he I think he was, like, a, uh, a neuroscientist or something like that. So a lot of it, I think, was just interest in how the brain worked. And there's a lot of... I, I would assume there was probably some... Connections or influence to, like MK Ultra and stuff like that with LSD and you know like it's all through, like the Stanford Research Institute and you know there's all these sort of um, mainstay kind of
0: yeah and there's a movie that that actually came out that was supposed to represent that but people thought it was like you know uh, just Hollywood being funny it's called I think it's called Men Who Stare at Goats yeah 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 and this um, mo- this movie was about MK Ultra isn't it
1: it's it's I think it was more of the remote viewing part, okay. which was like a subset of MKUltra in a way. Uh, and for people who don't know, MKUltra is like a CIA program in the 60s or 70s, and it was like essentially mind control and understanding how uh, how the brain works and what certain drugs can do. And I imagine they've figured out a lot of things since then. And um, But yeah, that movie was essentially about remote viewing, I think, where they you can the idea is basically you can give someone like coordinates or a location or some sort of thing. that If, if you can focus on it well enough, you can start to like visualize what's there and it's kind of like you said, with um, the bell and, and the, with the trip mm-hmm. is like, they basically just start drawing and they're channeling what they see in a way. And there's, I mean, there's documents out there that's, they've, they've there was a down plane in like Africa that they found. It was a Russian jet or something back in the cold war. And they're like, we need to, or maybe it's a U.S. jet or something, and uh, we we're like, we need that technology, and uh, you know, they they didn't want it falling into Russian hands. And they're like, where is this? And they had, um, I can't remember this story who it was, but there's a guy named uh, Monroe, and he's he's uh, he's been he figured out basically hemisync, which is where your right and left brain like are basically talking to each other really well, and he he created these um, these audio tapes that you listen to and, and it, it, all these government programs, essentially testing and studying how they can program the mind and, and manipulate behavior and, um, and just trying to understand consciousness. And there's a lot of documents out there that are like pretty eye opening as far as what, like what we know and what we're capable of. And it's, some of it seems pretty sci-fi, but um, I'm, I've spent a lot of time kind of driving down rabbit holes and uh, just connecting some dots, and it's to me like that. That's just become like a passion of mine is, is like exploring consciousness and understanding it because it is just like a, f- a different game. I think you know it helps you understand this game we're playing a little bit. And um,
0: is there anything recent you've done or, or something? Uh, as in you've went down the rabbit hole, you found some information on how to explore. Uh, a certain level of consciousness that you've then taken to the float tank to try to further pursue
1: i've I've played around with some stuff in the tank. I bring a speaker in sometimes uh, I'm about to have to go through the process of designing a new tank and, and uh, with expanding and stuff like that. but uh, so there's upgrades there that I want to have, and I don't have any way of like i'd like to have some way of getting uh, speakers underwater. Like, like headphones or something? They have those here. Um, and maybe plugging it into the tank or something. Just figuring out how yeah. it's going to work. Well, you can
0: actually put, like, uh, waterproof speakers, like uh, these little earpieces. There's a guy, well, I'm sure everyone on the island knows him, a guy, Goldie. Okay. Um, and I, uh, I was with him maybe three weeks ago, and he was showing me and explaining to me. He, he floats, in, uh, I'm not going to disclose the place, but he floats in a lake, and he goes in kind of a, it's like a built-in life vest into the his clothing. It looks like, mm-hmm. and he puts on like these noise-canceling, uh, waterproof headphones. Are they Bluetooth? They're or Bluetooth. Are they, okay. They're Bluetooth, but it's like um, uh, okay. they're quite large, but they're waterproof. And then he f- he literally goes to the lake, and he puts those on, and he floats in the lake.
1: Sounds awesome. Yeah. Like I highly recommend
0: that. <laughs> and um, he uh, said, but he does it early. I think he quite early in the morning, so it's not too hot. But yeah, no, they. Do exist? I just don't know. I'll ask him. I'll ask him where he's getting them. I'm going to assume it's probably brought them from overseas, or you could import them.
1: I've messed around with. I bought some cheap, waterproof wire, or they said waterproof, but they were like the wireless earbuds, and it it, it almost like the Bluetooth didn't connect once your head's in this in the water. Okay, it was like kind of choppy, and then they died after one use. But there's probably uh, high quality ones, or something that's more. I'll send, them, I'll
0: send him I'll send him just remind me and I'll yeah. send him a message and ask him which brand he's using. Do you, um do you know like binaural beats? Uh,
1: I I've heard of that.
0: Uh I've heard of it, but no. It's, no. It's
1: essentially um going back to like the brain waves and you have different states of consciousness and right now we're in beta which is alert, sort of conversational. Uh alpha would be maybe reading a book at night or something like that. Theta is that lucid dream like you're kind of aware but you're not, and then Delta's sleeping. And um and so you're you're in you go, you move through each state. Like when you wake up you move through the states and then you when you go to bed you kind of drop through each one. And what binaural beats do are they play one frequency in one ear and one in the other. And they're off by so like theta states it's different wavelengths of brain waves. So um, think it's four to seven hertz is theta state so if you listen to something in one ear that's like 100 hertz and 105 in the other your brain picks up the five hertz difference so it's it they call it brainwave entrainment you can essentially like trick your brain into dropping like shifting states of consciousness through using binaural beats and they're they're in some like you know there's tons of youtube videos and stuff that you can play overnight sleeping type things um and I I want to play around with those in the tank because you do enter that theta state in the tank and it's a you kind of get to stay in that state which it is allows you, you to get
0: there quicker or what's the, what's the purpose? It
1: basically, your your brain waves your brain slows down a little bit because it doesn't have to process a lot of information and it, so you drop into that like lucid dream like world and you you stay in that and kids are in theta state a lot and one of the big things about theta state is that your um, and it goes along with like psychedelics, I think it's your default mode network is it gets like detuned essentially or turned off. And so it, when you're in th- theta state, your, your like ego and your pattern recognition software is quieted down. So your brain isn't jumping to like, Oh, I know what this is and projecting.
0: You're like self daydreaming.
1: Yeah. It, you're more like a sponge. You can just take in information and it isn't like this. Um, like The mind just wants to just, you know, it sees a cup and it just quickly knows, like, you know, like, don't have to worry about that. You're not going to put a lot of processing power into that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what being able to like trick your brain into theta state, it quiets down and it, it turns off like the the jump to conclusion sort of aspect of your brain. And uh, so, it allows you to absorb information like like it's less filtered. And so, the kids they're very like. Moldable, and they can learn languages quickly and stuff like that because their mind is just like a—it's just like a sponge a clay, yeah, yep. a sponge. And uh, as you get older, you start to, the mind wants to just take shortcuts in the path of least resistance. So it's like, oh, I know what this is. Like, don't even—it it just doesn't want to take in the information objectively. And um, that's where our habits and behavior and stuff come from a lot of, a lot of time mm-hmm. and ego, basically. And so, being in that state, I think. Somewhere along the way, I saw, like, the Navy SEALs use it to learn languages, the tank, because they can be in that. I imagine they use audio in some way. Um,
0: so you could, like, put yourself into that state of mind, going into a tank and maybe play uh, an audio book on learning a language or something in that right. sense. Right.
1: Like, basically, by putting yourself in Theta State, which you can do with the binaural beats, you can do floating. <laughs> um, it's hard to do sleeping because you drop into Delta and go to sleep. Or you're waking up and you become alert and you're kind of like, oh, man, I wanted to stay in that maybe that dreamlike state, but you become more You could alert. test
0: that with maybe Thai audio books and have have a friend yeah. do it not in the tank and compare who's absorbing it better. I mean, there's a lot of variables there, but yeah, it's um, certainly. I, worth I, ha- I actually have one I could send to you. I, uh, it's uh, Pimsler's Thai audio. Pimsler okay. does very well on like Spanish and other ones. Uh, this one is a bit funny. It's basically teaching you how to buy hookers for about 20 episodes, even though that's not the intention but like halfway through, it's like, where's the nearest hotel? How much, (laughs) how, how much money would you like tonight? It's, and it's like, okay, let's get to the, you know, something that's more practical. But, um, I could send you the, it's like 30 episodes. They're half an hour episodes, but I use them to learn Spanish and it's basically, it's just, it's very, it's fundamental building blocks on that where they'll teach you, you know, a sentence and that's the whole episode. Like, Let's get you to learn that sentence, okay. and then the next one builds up on that, but in a different uh, form of conversation. I definitely
1: would, if there's a, w- if there's a chance of me learning the Thai language, I think it's in the tank and probably like with some drugs involved and binaural beats, because like to be able to listen and hear the nuances and the tones, and it's so challenging. And uh, I could see that being probably one of the better ways to go about it, for sure. Yeah, at least and
0: to to and absorb to, it as well. And it depends. Everyone's a different type of learner. If you're yeah, audio visual,
1: yeah. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in just kind of experimenting and trying shit. And I mean, none of us know what the fuck we're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'm definitely open to ideas. And when people come to me and they're like, "Can I do this?" That, like, to me, the tank is there's the the sensory deprivation experience. I think it's important to get that like that base float and understand what that's about because you can't get That silence and quietness anywhere else really like and so um that level of self-knowledge and like really when you do quiet down the stuff that comes up you know the internal world that you then become more aware of um that's hugely powerful and and uh that's that's definitely one experience but you know you you could either like with the audio and learn a language or an attention the way i see it is it's like if meditation is your kind of daily, like long-term practice, you know, it's kind of like your base cardio run or something like that. And then you have like your psychedelics is like the high intensity interval training or some shit or something you're not doing very often. And I feel like floating is kind of that in between maintenance thing, or maybe it's just a strength program or a few times a week or something. But it's also
0: that sensory (laughs) deprivation that you really cannot get anywhere else. And I mean, even for someone like yourself that was spending time at, uh, um uh your your parents farm to some extent you get it there but there is still noise like for example i was up where was i at? i mean Phuk- phuket's already quiet enough i mean there's gravity yeah.
1: <laughs> like you're laying on a yoga mat like yeah you you, you, you still feel
0: something but i i was up at khao sok and staying at the national park and even that the difference between like phuket and there was just like you still felt like more in tuned with yourself even though you could hear like some dogs hunting some sort of wild pig in the forest like you there would always be something you you that would come across but um i don't think there's any other way to have sensory deprivation at that level other than a float tank that i i mean
1: no it's certainly important to like if if your sensory inputs are from nature i think that's you know like the best sort of information you can get you know getting sunlight and hearing in wild animals or uh, you know the jungle at dusk or whatever
0: um but it's more natural than let's say like I, i'll go to bangkok every other week and it's it feels a bit um you, i get flustered quickly from living here to going to the city where it's the it's sensory overload
1: yeah uh i, I think our whole world's that way and it's set up that way and there's some tension behind that to like Grab your attention
0: and distract you. Know, like you.
1: just everything's external. Like look this way, look that way. Buy this. Like, you know, it's it's you're constantly being bombarded with like impulses and information and and sound is sound is it's hugely powerful. Like it's it's you know you listen to a song and your mood changes. Like that that vibration is is a lot. It, it does impact you. Mm-hmm. You know, just just like the weather does. So. Um, being in a city, being in like cloudy weather, you know, just it, it direct influence on your, your experience you and how lazy, you feel you and, and you,
0: you order in, you don't go to the gym. It's just, it's, you go to, you know, what's, what's the easiest path of resistance.
1: Yeah. And that's where having those fundamentals day to day and that consistency of, you know, just y- you breathing, right? You getting some movement in, you're eating decent, you getting some water, you sleeping well, like, mm-hmm. Just those little things consistently can combat kind of the world that we have at the moment, you know? Um and certainly there's a lot of things you can add to that. But um it's really to me about being like a conscious consumer, you know, whether it's of content, other whether it's what you eat, whether it's what you're buying, you know, are you buying a bunch of random shit and like very materialistic. Um, so it's being more conscious of your behaviors and why are you doing this, why are you doing that and Um, that that's the power of the tank to me because it's really a cheat code to meditating. And so you're, you're not like, Oh, my back hurts or my dogs run around or something like those distractions don't exist. So it's easier to stay focused and kind of get in that more like Zen, like state data Mm -hmm. state. And um, so if you're, if you're consistently like practicing on, like controlling your attention and where does it go and what are you consuming? Um, it's, it's really a skill set that's very valuable nowadays and, in, in over the, every course of time, really. But like um, paying attention, you int- uh, paying attention to your attention. Like what, where's getting pulled? What's pulling it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of information there and becoming aware is kind of the first step in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So um, that's one thing I feel just, my contribution what i can try to help combat like some of the challenges that we face as a society is is helping people to develop their their awareness and their their control over that and and becoming more conscious Basically.
0: and yours i i think it is you're one of the only if not the only float tank left on the island now uh i there there
1: are i don't know if i think they bought them from the old place. So there's the old place in Nihart okay. that shut down, and then Stay Fit Resort in Rawai has a tank or two. And I don't, I think they bought the <laughs> tank from the other shop. I'm not 100 sure, but they sure. probably
0: they. It's <coughs> uh, it's not as promoted for like you know come for float tank. It's more at the resort.
1: Right. It's not a standalone yeah. place. It's not just about floating. Um, yeah. It's more of a a tool. To, for their guests, and I think you could go from it. You don't need to be, like, a member or something. I'm not sure, but um, it's well, it's just another tool that, you know, like sauna, ice bath, yoga class, just uh, yeah, Like mushrooms. a retreat that's yeah. offering, you know.
0: Um, it's another uh, add-on that they're having at this, this yeah. retreat.
1: One thing I, I really am focused on is for Float Indigo is being very affordable because that was what, for me, kicked all this off. It was like, how can I do this consistently? And it is that practice. It's the, I get asked all the time, how often do you do this? And, you know, everybody's different. It's whatever.
0: Are you I doing it once a day now or? Uh, I did that once.
1: I did a 30-day straight kind of challenge. Yeah. I don't think that's needed. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I uh, I would say ideally twice a week for me. Um, being open, it's been a little bit more challenging. I used to get to float whenever I wanted for, <laughs> for two years, you know. But... Um, it's that just that maintenance program for me physically and then kind of helps me solve problems or creative ideas and things like that. Um, what what about the
0: the technical side to the tanks themselves? Uh, I, I have heard on Joe Rogan, there is a difference in quality between different tanks. Even he said he'll go to, this place has a better tank than that place, but he never really explains technically why. Um, are you able to explain like, well, what is the Ferrari? What is the Honda? What is the Mercedes Benz in terms of tanks and why is that?
1: So there's there's a fair number of commercial companies now um, that they create like those pod-like tanks and some now there's cabins, which is like a sliding door, and then they've opened float rooms. So it's just like an open pool essentially. And um, there's pros and cons to all of them. The open pool is obviously great if you're maybe a little more claustrophobic, but then the it's challenging to keep the room temperature warm enough. So you feel the difference between the water and the air,
0: but the price point for these um, tanks, I mean, they're, 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 uh, they're very different in terms of like, you know, uh, I, I would maintenance maintenance. I'm of not natural- an expert
1: cause I haven't pursued that much. Um, the tank that I've got was built here in Phuket and, uh, that's what's going to continue is probably for, for the future of my business as. uh, just sourcing local parts if something goes wrong. Like if I order something from the U S now I gotta wait for a technician or a part or something like yeah. that. Um, it's expensive to ship. They're more expensive tanks. Um, I would say a typical commercial tank, you're probably talking 15 grand of 30, 40 grand. Um, In range. yeah. And the top ones are maybe have Fancy lights in them and some speakers, and you know, okay. some, some so little nuances like, there, but like
0: the, the the fully loaded tank, just yeah, like, okay, gotcha.
1: Some of them are like maybe they're like there's a few that are a little more like a theme room, you know, every at float center kind of maybe they make the room look a certain way. Um, I've never floated, I floated one time at another place, it was in my hometown, mm-hmm. and uh, but I've only floated at the shop, okay, and uh, it was just this past winter, I was like, you know, I'm gonna at least see what they do. and. Um, it was like one of those open float rooms, sort of, and so um, don't have a lot of experience elsewhere and knowing the differences. Uh, for me, the tank that we have, it's very big. Um, it's about my wingspan, and then I can basically stretch all the way out. Yeah. And uh, and then I made it look like a pyramid when I rebuilt everything, so <laughs> it's got a little bit of a little bit of a theme there. Uh, I was originally planning when I had that second space to make a second tank. I was like, I'll make a couple different rooms but now I just have the, the one tank. So it's not really different themes, but, um, yeah, there's a lot there for me, uh, as far as building new tanks, ideas, that whole and manufacturing you, you'll process. Just, you'll
0: build them from scratch. Are you, are, are there blueprints on online? Is there YouTube videos? How are you putting these um, things together?
1: It would be, I would try to probably see what resource I could find online and through some of these companies, what information they put out. But a lot of it is just kind of do it yourself. Yeah. Um, i the guys that built this one, um, I've talked to them about that, certainly' They're still friends of mine and chat with them a little bit. and uh, I had another friend here that he's done a little work on the filter side. And uh, he's from Indonesia and had some pool filter guy that he's talked with because he was going to do something in Bali, maybe. Yeah, how
0: does that work? Like, are you, do you need to clean it after every client or is, it, does the, the water, it's it's going through a fl- filtration system. It's, I'm assuming kind of like, uh, like you're treating water back home where you have this magnesium pucks or something that's kind of filtering that through. How does that work?
1: So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a process there. That's, um, we like daily, weekly, monthly maintenance, um, cleaning schedules and then uh between every customer yeah we do filter the tank and kind of heat it back up and stuff so um the salt itself acts as a kind of a hygienic situation and people shower before and after um after just to rinse off the salt unless you want to walk around all like crusty and white but um yeah it's uh just very hygienic due to the nature of the solution and then because people shower beforehand certainly people float naked so it's not like sweaty movie tie shorts and shit in there um and then yeah filtered after everyone it's a uv filter there's a physical filter um and then uh, yeah it's uh there's industry standards that exist you know now that kind of there's float conferences and shit like that i don't partake in the the whole industry i'm very different really i feel like the the majority of the industry, and this is my own perception because I haven't really floated anywhere, but it's it's more of like a spa experience. And I see this as more of like a performance tool. So it's, you know, recovery aspect if you're training hard. It's a, you know, a meditation tool or mental training tool, visualization tool. Uh, you want to explore more of a spiritual world and get to know yourself a little better, or, you know. Um, that's how I look at it. So that's, again, we're kind of want to keep the price down i would rather have people that are consistent like members that float once a week or something like that mm-hmm. then they, they can then get a
0: membership and
1: yeah then then chasing like i could probably charge a lot for the random tourists that come through and um that, to me that that eliminates some of the benefit like if you can do it consistently and add it to your your program yeah that's really where you're going to see you you know and, and uh, any of the various recovery tools mental training tools like just taking taking things to that next level where everyone knows what to do in the gym now you know what i mean like if you're an athlete or something it's like the guys that have access to the mental coaches the physios the you know the nutritionists like the top, top adding this adding
0: this as, as a part of anyone's like fight program is they're coming into the soy because that's well it's the majority of the people over mm-hmm. at tiger as well
1: yeah, if you're coming, you're just putting that effort in to come for two months, and like, you, it's easy to get your ass kicked, you know, two three times a day, and you just drill yourself into a ground after two or three yeah. weeks, and then you don't do anything for the second half of your trip. Um, so it's it's to me everything's about balance, you know. If you're gonna it's if you're it's damage damage damage, and it's like the cycles damage repair, you know, you got to give your time, give yourself time, and there's an active process there. It's like not just laying around lazy on a Sunday and call it a recovery day. Like recovery is a whole. Yeah, and, and the,
0: you have your massage shops there that are going to actively, you know, mm. uh, work out those knots. But how do you work out the knots in your mind as well, especially from maybe uh, recovering from a loss or, or just anything in general, just life? So how do you, it's, it's maybe a, a mental massage.
1: There really is a the clarity of thinking and thought process inside the tank is, is crazy. Because you essentially have all the processing power of the computer for whatever you want to aim it at. So when you're actually thinking through stuff or, you know, if I'm in there, like, I got to do this, this, and this, like, it's just so clear and there's there's not that, like, cluttered kind of cloudy thinking. Yeah,
0: and you don't get that, the, the the monkey, monkey chatter in the back of the mind, you know? Yeah. You get in there and you start thinking about, it mean, okay, still it comes. <laughs> well, it's like, I forget what I was, I forget what I was listening to yesterday, but it's the same thing, like, when you're at home and you're working at the computer, it's so easy to start a task and then, oh, okay, I'll just... Uh, uh, I'll go uh, change my sheets. I'll go do laundry. I'll make, I'll make some food. And so easy to escape, you know, uh, the task at hand, but in the float tank, you kind of got to face it all there. You're not going anywhere.
1: That that really is like an interesting, it's a benefit. And it's an interesting one because you're, you get to see where your mind wants to go. Yeah. You know, you're laying there and you're like, oh, I'm bored. And then your mind goes somewhere or sometimes it goes somewhere. And you're like, why the heck am I thinking about that? Yeah. You know, and, and I don't think, you know, it, it, there's an important aspect if you can control that and just be like, oh, it, my mind ran off, bring it back to my breath. But it's also, if it keeps running off to the same thing, I tell people, like, go with it. Like, pull on that thread. You know, who knows what ideas or what needs some attention there. Um, maybe there's some memories that come up from that or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, it, the mental side of it is is crazy, really, mm-hmm. when you think about um, just managing – you know, emotional emotions and having a little bit of self control, and you know, when the monkey mind does pop up and say, "Hey, let's go dig in the fridge." Like, how many times have you walked to the fridge, you know, and you're like, "Oh, nothing's here." Yeah, am Mine's I hungry
0: just... or am I just bored? Yeah. Or am I yeah, am I looking for an escape from whatever I'm doing at hand?
1: When you can develop that skill to like, oh, I had that thought that said go to the fridge, but then I just was like, oh, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just yeah. bored or whatever, right? Like, you can manage that situation and stay focused and um it really is a focus game like that's what consciousness is is like it's like a narrowing down to a focal point of like one one point of view
0: and improving that that skill set of of focus which is probably something i mean to the gym we can go work on you know different muscles and and and, you know get better at a certain task whether if you're if you're competing at jujitsu or muay thai but how do we improve our focus? And I mean, maybe uh, flow take is the answer to that.
1: That's kind of what I found is, is through doing the physical stuff, you know, going to the gym and training or whatever. Eventually you realize like, if you can train your mind, you'll be better at that. Like mm. how to push through maybe a, a tough workout or, you know, you need motivation to get to the gym or you need, you know, just having that control over your mind and, and be able to be uncomfortable and stay in it and not just like the mind's going to say, let's get out of here. You know? And you're like, no, you're not in charge. You know, like we're, yeah. we're going to stick to this and we're going to go through it. And so through physical work, you're, you kind of realize like the mental side of it's important and you develop that through that training. And for me, I realized like, well, what if I just focus on the mental stuff and through focusing on some of that, I felt like I entered more of a spiritual world and, and that, like, they all go hand in hand. It's like the more I focused on the spiritual stuff, the better I was at the mental stuff, and the better I was at the physical stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And so it really is that, I mean, it's, it's developing that focus to be in the moment and be present and feel what you're feeling and be aware and observe it as opposed to just be some programmed software that's just reacting to the external circumstances
0: well it's always easy to go to your your comfort zone as well like even last night uh, my girlfriend wanted to do hot pot so she's like okay we got to get a hot pot it's like eight o'clock at night but like mentally i'm like yeah let's get a bowl
1: bowl of cereal would be just fine right now (laughs) well
0: she wanted we physically bought all the stuff to do the hot pot so we go there last night at 8, but, like, I didn't go there for the hot pot. I went there because I knew the McDonald's across the road. <laughs> so I was telling him, I never eat McDonald's, like, once every four or five months. Yeah. But it was, like, 8, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting a cheeseburger. I don't give a shit. I know it's terrible for you. The problem is, like, uh, from our generation, we've tasted the crack. <laughs> We're fucked. <laughs> once I have kids, I'm not letting them touch that. Um, all right, on that note, we must be at two hours. Are we really? Yeah. yeah. And the battery died. Which one? Middle kit. Ca- oh, my camera died. Okay. So we're on this camera. That's perfect. When did it die? Just now? Oh, perfect timing. Okay, so what we'll do is I'm going to shoot you to your camera and just let everyone know, like, how to find you, where to find you in Phuket, Instagram, and any other information you want to pass on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, take it from there.
1: All right. So, yeah, we're floating to go on Soi Tayyid and Chalong. It's uh, Phuket. And uh, we found Float Indigo Phuket on Instagram. We got a Facebook page, website, floatindigo.com. Uh, the, the studio stuff, we'll be launching that, with Studio Indigo, and um, going to be launching a sponsorship program for Fight Indigo and got a few different little brand modalities there. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, don't really mess with the social media too much, but Instagram – and the best this way can they can the reach
0: you thing. is Instagram if they want to shoot you a message. and
1: Yeah, yeah. Instagram is the best at the moment. And then content wise, it'll be probably Instagram and YouTube. So,
0: but our website's
1: right. great for if you want to learn about floating, book, make booking, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, thank you for.
0: Okay, how do I? I guess we're cutting back to the middle. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is a rare cut, but. Um, uh yeah okay well thanks a lot tristan for joining us um again you, you can find him on uh float indigo on instagram correct yep and uh, that's probably the easiest way to reach him uh, i highly recommend at least trying it out once and seeing if it's for you I, I did it once to be honest i would go more often the reality is living in phuket we live in our bubbles and i'm stuck in mine up at surin i mean it is far it's i
1: mean maybe there'll be one bro, up here one for- day <laughs> uh, hey,
0: I, with these guys up at bang town Muay Thai, I mean, this place is going to be the new, I think it's going to be the new soy. These I, I felt be,
1: that I, I came up here in like October when they were up here. And, yeah. it's uh, cr- My a good buddy of mine, John, he's working with Ali and mm. they're, they've been poking around up here for another location. And, um like ali's barbecue ali's and, Bar- and, <laughs> i uh, mean i feel like the it's a good vibe up here i like it up here it's just uh, it's
0: good. It, the be- surin beach is one of the best I mean. beaches here i mean not just being biased just i dude i like the fact that
1: the sand and the trees are in the same spot yeah because you go to like Niharn and you're either in the dirt or you're getting lit up in the sun
0: yeah and there's just there it's too uh money hungry at Niharn when they get out there with the chairs and all that stuff yeah. here they crack down a bit and i don't know just the the quality in general i find's a little bit better it's a bit different and it's not as like uh, it's not as hectic i mean Chia Long, rawai Niharn, it's qu- it's quite it still has a, it almost has a city vibe so like if you're in chaolong and you want to get to Niharn, it's not you know here i'm a stone's throw to the beach and
1: yeah. Dude, this place is awesome where you're at like, it's definitely <laughs> sick and yeah, i, I appreciate right. the opportunity to get out of my bubble cuz <laughs> Long does feel like like a little suburb or something well you got like everything you need right just concrete and even yeah. going to Niar or through Hawaii, I'm like, oh yeah, I live on a tropical island. Yeah, you forget
0: sometimes. So um, hopefully, uh, maybe we get you, get the float tank up here at some point.
1: That's I just gotta point. figure out how to yeah. make a new one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I guess uh, you're not moving it, right? No, uh, there's a there's a lot of steps in play, but I, I am looking to like at some point I'm gonna have to make a second tank and a third yeah. tank and figure out that process, <laughs> the manufacturing process. Ideally, probably look at like a factory around here to. I'm yeah. gonna go through that work. It makes sense to maybe build that business up a little bit or you know, franchise out or some shit. But yeah. um Bang Tao's on the radar. With that
0: being, let us know in the comments if you want them to. Oh, we're back on this camera. Right? Um I think you just cut it. Anyways, okay. Um we never know how to end these, so I think we've been about two hours. If you're still with us, like, subscribe, leave us in the con leave it in the comments, let them know that we want them up in Bang um, and we're out. Okay.